how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. In the new film Siberia, an American diamond trader's Russian partner goes missing, so he journeys to Siberia in search of him, but instead begins a love affair. The film, which partially mimics the gritty movies from the 1970s, stars Keanu Reeves and comes from the mind of Reeves, Stephen Hamill, and Scott Smith, writer of A Simple Plan. In this interview, director Matthew Ross talks about his eight-year journey to create the Michael Shannon Imogen Poots film Frank and Lola, as well as his new film Siberia. As a former writer for Filmmaker Magazine, Ross tells us about his journey into the business, conversations with Robert Altman and Steven Soderbergh, its early influences like Hitchcock and Kubrick, and the lure of psychosexual thrillers in mixed genre films. Well, I was lucky enough to have uh, grown up in, in New York City uh, and did so at a time when the art house theater scene was very much alive and well, uh, where repertory theaters were everywhere, including several of them very close to where I grew up. So I spent a, a good chunk of my childhood inside darkened rooms with my mom watching films uh made by the masters like you know hitchcock and kubrick uh and it's that's what got me hooked from the start i i really have i i cannot remember a time that i didn't want to pursue filmmaking uh for a living it's 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 been my dream ever since uh i've i can remember really I know you uh, you'd made some films at an early age, like some shorts and that kind of thing. You eventually got hooked up with uh, Filmmaker Magazine. Um, when did it all seem possible as far as like kind of moving from shorts to, to features? Well, when did it when it seemed possible and when it actually was possible were two different things. Uh, uh, it seemed possible when I uh, had written the script for Frank and Lola and had made a short based on that script called Lola and had gotten some terrific, well-regarded independent film producers to believe in me and sign on to produce my movie. So it certainly felt like a possibility when that process started, but it ended up taking eight years until it actually came true. So uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it felt as a, I think, I forget which director said it. It might have been Martin Scorsese, but don't quote me on it, that, you know, I'll believe I'm making the film when I'm buying the popcorn to go see it in the movie theater. Uh, that 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 reality became very, very uh, painfully true to me uh, as we came within an inch or two of making Frank and Lola over the eight years that it took to actually get it made. So uh, when the opportunity finally arose and, uh, and we were actually making the film, I, I, I just tried to enjoy every single moment of it, given what I sort of had to go through in, uh, in the years preceding that. So I read that the, the short you made, um, Lola kind of helped, you know, everything kind of come on board to make the movie. Did you, um, send the script out before that and then decide to make the short? And then how did you go about choosing? Did you, was that just a scene from the movie? How did you choose about what went into the short? Well, uh, the short wasn't really a scene from Frank and Lola. It was more kind of inspired by it in terms of tone and characters. Um, I had written the script before the short, um, and I'd learned that after having made uh, a short or two that had gotten some attention on the festival circuit but didn't have a script uh, to show for it, a uh, feature-length script. So, uh, you know, whoever responded to the short would say, uh, this is, this is I really like this, I'd like to work with you, what do you have uh, screenplay-wise that we could make it? And I, and I didn't have an answer for that question. So I tried to correct that with, uh, with Lola in that I'd written Frank and Lola before that, and then wrote the short really as a calling card, not just for me as a director, but for me as the director of Frank and Lola. Uh, and well, that was certainly the plan at least. Uh, but it took again, uh, a solid eight years between making Lola and making Frank and Lola. So, uh, in the end, it really, it really became this, uh, just this process of determination and will and, uh, a refusal to to give up on trying to make this movie much more so than it was just having a, a short film to show that I you know could make something that wasn't terrible. <laughs> so where did the I've read that the idea kind of came from a part of it at least was a true story or from a friend of yours. Where did the idea come from, and how did you decide you wanted to tell that story for Frank and Lola? Yeah, it was well this the original kernel of the idea, and and again this. Uh, the script really changed over time uh, as I was sort of rewriting constantly during the eight years it took to get made. But uh, somebody I was very close to had experienced uh, an incredibly unpleasant uh, experience with somebody who'd taken advantage of them. And uh, the ramifications of that were much more complex than uh, I could have anticipated. And the effects that, uh, it had on this person were, were incredibly damaging and heartbreaking. And even though they managed to, uh, fight through that trauma and come out of it, uh, stronger, uh, the effects of it were, were visceral and tragic and heartbreaking. And, and it was something that I felt was a story that I could explore a little bit more of, uh, as a storyteller myself. Uh, and of course, I, I, you know, I, I, not nothing is uh, a direct uh, parallel. And what you know, when I was moving forward with the, that idea based on it, I had the full, you know, uh, consent to to do that from the person who uh, whose story had inspired it. But uh, you know, by the time we made Frank and Lola, it was it was it was it was very much its own thing. Uh, 
you know, taken so long uh, to get made and uh, and evolved so much over time. But yeah, the the initial idea was was based on the experience of somebody who's very close to me. Uh, some of the quotes about that movie were were described as kind of a you know a darker sexual thriller. It's kind of about male obsession. There's a little bit of that in in Siberia too with Keanu Reeves's character. What kind of draws you towards those characters? That's an interesting question. I mean, I think both both uh, Lucas and Frank share a loneliness to them. I think they share uh, an inquisitiveness inquisitiveness uh, to them. Uh, I think they're both very passionate people, although, uh, albeit in their, uh, very different and specific ways. Um, I find those kinds of characters compelling because I think that, uh, those kinds of characters are very true to life. And I think telling those stories is, is a way to explore, uh, some very common themes that aren't simply big movie themes, but intimate character based themes that a lot of people uh, struggle with and you know exploring that struggle is something that I'm very interested in doing I don't want to give too much away for the new film uh, Siberia but where did that original uh, I think you um, have some other writers on this story where did the original idea come from for this movie the original idea um, was uh, came from Keanu and his partner Stephen Hamill uh, and they had approached Scott Smith uh, the wonderful writer who wrote Siberia uh, and who you know also wrote a simple plan and several novels as well as several other scripts to to realize that. So uh, by the time I got involved, unlike Frank and Lola, um, they had been developing the script for a couple of years, uh, and then I kind of joined the team uh, later on in the process. Uh, so uh, yes, the original idea came from Keanu and Scott uh, and his partner Stephen. Scott then wrote a script, and then I came on board, and we continued to develop the idea some more until we were able to uh, make it. When they first pitched you the idea, it, it feels like it's kind of a mixed genre. What was kind of the, the story that they wanted to tell? It's like the poster says it's a love story. There's definitely that aspect there. There's also lots of action and a thriller. How do you kind of define the movie? I think what Frank and Lola and Siberia both share is that neither one of the those movies are, are very easily categorizable in terms of their genre. And that's something that um, I've always been interested in doing, um, traversing genre or combining genre, uh, giving audiences something that doesn't fit too neatly into a box. Uh, you know, a lot of my heroes, uh, uh, directing heroes have done that. Um, you know, Claire Denis is a master at it. Polanski is a master at it. Uh, there's so many uh, directors who, managed to combine tones in their films and and that that's that's a challenge and it may make things a little bit more difficult but hopefully it also makes the experience of making it and 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 of watching it more satisfying because it's not something that people expect what were some of the things so you, uh, we're actually kind of in a similar uh, experience when you're with filmmaker you got the chance to speak with these uh, iconic directors and, and kind of ask them things about their current projects, but also about their style and things like that. What's something that maybe stood out, something you learned that kind of clicked for you that you applied later as a, as a writer and director? I mean, interviewing those directors, uh, specifically, you know, the time that I got to do the extended Q&A features for Filmmaker uh, during the years that I worked there was really served as my film school. Um, I mean, to be able to be able to sit to be given the opportunity to sit alone in a room with Robert Altman for an hour, an hour and a half 
and pick his brain about filmmaking is uh, was a, a an opportunity that was incredibly rare and uh, which I was massively lucky uh, to have gotten. And uh, so while I was interviewing all those directors, I I was all while I was asking them about their process. Of course, I was also kind of taking notes, you know. Uh, for how, uh, what to do, what not to do in terms of directing. Um, of course there's, you know, some little tricks or specific things. Uh, but really it was, it was the totality of, of talking to these great filmmakers and seeing what, uh, what they had in common was, uh, as, as important to me as anything. And, you know, that was just a true full vision for each film that they made. And I think that's what all great films share is a director with a full vision of the film that is uh, begins with the tiniest of details and expands to the wider, more thematic questions and and the and the larger narrative as a whole. Um, you want to create a, a a true, unique, fully functioning world on screen that has its own logic to it, and to be able to do that requires just a tremendous amount of work as well as a tremendous amount of. Uh, you know, a, a real vision for what you want to accomplish and, a, and, and, and the ability uh, to communicate that to uh, a, a, a large number of people who all speak different kinds of languages uh, from, you know, my cinematographer, Eric Kortz, who I've worked with on both of my movies and who's just uh, absolutely wonderful uh, DP and somebody that I will always work with, uh, to actors and, and uh, learning how to elicit from them the performance that uh you feel the film needs to get um so while it's you know it's it's i love the collaboration of filmmaking it's what makes filmmaking so wonderful uh but you know you also the 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 vision needs to to be there the whole way through otherwise uh a collaboration can fall apart so that that's really what I got from those interviews with those with those great directors was a was a true specific vision for what they wanted to do. What kind of preparation, like say if you're gonna, you know, spend an hour with Robert Altman or Steven Soderbergh or something like that, what kind of preparation went into that interview? Uh how much did you leave like room for them to just expand? Like how did you have a, a series of questions laid out? Did you kind of just make it more conversational? What was your process like? Well, I mean, with somebody like Altman or Soderbergh, I kind of uh, already sort of arrived at that conversation with such a uh, uh, comprehensive knowledge of their work uh, because they were both heroes of mine. I mean, especially Altman, uh, whose work I was just obsessed with uh, as a college student uh, and and beyond. So I'm trying. You're asking me to take myself back here about 12, 13 years. So. Uh, uh, I think I would probably use a combination of uh, a few specific notes that I would jot down and then just kind of wing it and see where it went, um, you know, and be intuitive, uh, see where the conversation led. I mean, especially if you're dealing with somebody, you know, as, as tremendous as, as Altman, you don't want to box him in with, with questions that will limit him. You want to give him the opportunity to, to be Robert Altman. So I would try to come up with uh, specific questions that would then lead to uh, unplanned for digressions, I guess I would say. I just got to take you back uh, for just one more of those questions. Was there anything that um, 
uh, kind of unusual that stood out as maybe a habit or ritual they did to prepare that you now use or, or use a version of in your, in your own style? I mean, there's certainly some very specific things, and, and it's funny, I can't always remember which director told me which things, but I've certainly picked up some habits along the way, like uh, even little things like changing my socks at lunch. I would always change my socks at lunch. I forget which director told me to do that. It might have been Walter Salas, but I'm not 100% sure. But you sort of change your socks at lunch when you're taking that break, and all of a sudden you kind of feel like like a new man and that you're ready to sort of attack the day. Uh, I would also take – I. Sidney Lumet was a you know uh, a hero of mine and his book Making Movies. Uh, I never got a chance to interview him unfortunately, but I certainly read Making Movies a few times and uh, I would always take a nap during lunch as well. Um, you know, the trick is to not be overwhelmed by the stress of a shoot, uh, which can often feel overwhelming because you know uh, if the director looks or feels overwhelmed, especially if he's a new director, like, uh, especially on my first film, you know, if you've got Michael Shannon looking at you, uh, you've got to hold it together, you know, <laughs> otherwise, otherwise things are going to fall apart very quickly. So, uh, uh, you know, I just tried to be as, as confident and relaxed and as positive as I could possibly be, no matter what may, may have been going on, you know, upstairs or behind the scenes that was stressful. What were some of the new challenges uh, for this film, for your second film, Siberia? I mean, you're, you're shooting in the cold for part of this and the snow and things like that. What were some of the difficulties that maybe weren't with that first film? Uh, I mean, the biggest difficulty for sure was uh, making sure that we got Russia right, given the fact that we were shooting most of the film in Canada. Uh, not just the Siberia sequences, but also the interior St. Petersburg sequences. So... Um, just making sure the details were correct uh, and were vetted by uh, bona fide Russians from Russia who would uh, tell us if we were getting anything wrong. And uh, from, you know, bigger picture stuff to very specific details like art direction, props, uh, small pieces of the wardrobe, you know, uh, what would hang on the walls, in a Siberian house, uh, we really wanted to make sure that we got that right because I was flying a little bit blind on that, uh, as I, you know, hadn't spent any time in Russia, uh, prior to making this movie. So that was, that was really the, the, the primary imperative, uh, while we were making the movie was to make something that felt, uh, that a Russian, uh, audience member or, uh, a real Russian could watch and say that we got it right. That was the challenge that we set for ourselves on that film. What were some of, uh, you know, Keanu's wishes with this film? I mean, it, uh, there's action in the movie, but it's not like, I mean, he's got John Wick and a few other things he's done in a row. Um, so I imagine he wanted to ha have this movie be different. What were some of the things he kind of brought to the table with this story or wanted to change about things? Uh, I mean, working with Keanu is, uh, was a, just an incredible uh, opportunity and an incredible experience for me, uh, in ways that, uh, some ways I expected and some ways that, uh, presented themselves while we were making the movie. I mean, he's, a, he is as professional a performer as you could ever hope to meet his level of preparation and his attention to detail and his perfectionism are just, uh, tremendous and sort of awe-inspiring. And, 
to work with somebody like that who is working so hard on their craft and preparing so much for the part, whether it's, you know, how he manipulates a diamond uh, with a set of tweezers, which is a lot harder than it looks, to, you know, the Russian dialogue that he uh, uh, prepared for exhaustively uh, in L.A. with his dialect coach before he came to set. Uh, that level of perfectionism was very inspiring and I think was infectious, too. Um, you know, when, when somebody like, uh, Keanu Reeves is, 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 is working as hard as he is, it, it, it raises everybody's game, up around him because, uh, you know, if he can do it, why, why shouldn't everybody else? Uh, so it was just a dream to work with in that respect. And as a producer, uh, on the movie, he, I couldn't have asked for, uh, a better person to be in my corner, catching my back making sure that I had everything I could, uh, everything I, that was possible to give me in terms of, uh, directing and making sure that I was able to, uh, make the film that I wanted to make. Uh, he was just a tremendous producer as well. So, uh, all the, all the, all the great stories you've heard about Keanu are, 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 are true. And then some, he's a, he's a wonderful guy, uh, just a consummate professional, a great talent and, and a, just a true pleasure to work with. So that was, that was great. I, uh, I loved working with Keanu. Absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, Master the Freelancer Mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Kerry Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.